This is the I Read Comic Books Podcast. I am your host, Mike Rappin. Joining me this week, the two Jokers from a deck of Royale playing cards, Brian Murray. Hello. And Kate Scotchless. Hello. Thank you both for joining me this week. I'm very excited to talk about comic books because this is episode 315 of I Read Comic Books. And uh, there's just... Just so much to say about comic books. I want to say hi to everybody in the Discord chat hanging out with us today. I want to say, uh, you know, let's let's just dive right into things. I'm so excited to talk about our Goodreads book of the month, um, if only because I have things to say about it. But before we get into that, let's talk about comic books that we've been reading. So I got to ask you two legally mandated questions this week. How have you been? How have comic books been? Let's start with you, Brian. I've been pretty good. The new Pokemon game, Arceus Legends, just came out. So I've yeah. been pretty much glued to that for the most of the weekend mm-hmm. uh, fortunately i did read some comics before getting lost in that that sauce um <laughs> specifically i read uh saga number 55 just came out a uh, little, little book you might have heard of it mm-hmm. i i don't know how to say this without sounding dismissive and i promise that's not what i'm going for uh it's more of the same like it's <laughs> it's just another issue of saga and uh-huh. honestly like i love that I enjoy Saga. I'm glad that this was just another issue of Saga. It might have been nice to have something like phenomenal and mind-blowing for the first issue back after that long-ass hiatus, but it really just did feel like we just picked up and carried on. Yeah, I, I was going to talk about this book as well, and uh, my thought was like, Brian K. Vaughn is back on his bullshit like without missing a beat. This picks up directly after 54. There's no... And just in case you remember, you forgot about Saga or like any any recap bullshit that I think you would see in any other comic book where they took a long hiatus or we'd get something special to like remind you of what happened is like, nope, this is just Saga 55 as if time hadn't passed. The three years hadn't fucking gone by, you know, they know you all binge read everything all over to prep. I, I feel like that's such a big risk. Like, but at the same time, the the Saga like reader base is fervent they are they are yeah. foaming at the mouth i'm one of those people you know um i i my thoughts on this were basically like this is an adult book with an adults with adult stories and don't worry there's commentary about how being a kid is a thing that all kids have happened like it's brian k vaughn literally doing the same shit that he was doing for the past 54 issues in fiona staples the only difference is that her art has gotten significantly better since issue one like each issue seems to get better and better so yeah, I'm I'm right there with you, Brian. They know what they're about. Yeah, like I'm Brian, I totally agree with you. Like it is the exact same saga that we know and love, and that is so not bad. It's great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It it just sounds like I was like, yeah, it's just another issue of saga, but like that's a good thing. That's what I wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I will say I don't know how you guys read this issue to issue. This is one of those books that I would never be able to follow if I wasn't trade waiting it. And I love it to death and always read the trades when they come out, but Man, issue to issue seems tough for this one. Yeah, I, I definitely read it in trades for the first half. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I honestly forgot that I had just subscribed to this book on Comixology, like <laughs> probably when we were doing Saga of Saga. So it's however how long ago that was, it's how they yeah. get you. And I just I completely forgot that it was happening until I got the email like, "Hey, just so you know, you're getting this book this week." I was like, "Oh shit, cool." Yeah, it's it's interesting because like this this series is. I like I know Kate you were saying you just reread it and they knew that everybody was going to reread it it's like we just did saga of saga um I mean not too long ago so like a lot of the story is still really fresh in my mind but I do think 
that if I had just picked up this issue having not done a reread, I don't think I would have missed anything. Because the thing that's really surprising about Saga is that while it is one continuous story, I think Brian K. Vaughn and Fiona Staples, they do a really good job of making sure that each arc can kind of not be completely standalone, but can exist independent of the previous stories in a way that you don't feel like you need to miss it. You need to remember all the minute details. Like, I think 55 starts off with the big cliffhanger of 54 being still incredibly relevant to the story but this arc is something different you know like it is a new story about hazel and and what's happening with her in this new unknown future that we're going to experience with her and i i really appreciate that because yeah I, I think that they've done that in previous arcs but um and it's worked out well for the series to be like allow it to stand up on its own and not have to feel like it's one giant continuity ball yeah my only question is what kind of a time skip are we looking at because it definitely it feels like time has passed mm-hmm. but I, I can't tell like how much exactly but maybe that's because i haven't reread this since saga of saga so yeah i mean my gut feel says like four or five years but that's like that's just a guess at this point either way one of my friends uh had to have surgery on both ankles well achilles tendons or whatever and so they're doing one at a time so it's like a long period of being laid up and i was doing the friend helping thing of going to the library and picking up books that were on hold and also grabbing just other stuff and dropping them off and stuff so i grabbed my this is not someone who's avid reader but does not read comics has not enjoyed comics in the past i picked up some of my favorite books that i thought he'd really like and I, you know, that thing where someone's like, oh, you ask if they liked it and they're like, oh yeah, it was good. You know, like, and you can tell that they actually couldn't stand it, but they're trying right. to be nice. <laughs> um, I got that response to all of my favorite things. And then I had thrown in like, oh, no. and it was like, and, and it was very much like a, anyway, here's Wonderwall. And it was like, anyway, here's Saga. And he loved it. And is reading all of them one after the other. And I'm like, son of a bitch, Wait, Saga. Why is it always you? Why is it always you? <laughs> I don't know if this says that your friend has good taste or bad taste, but I'm glad they're reading Saga. Um, I, I swear I Saga is the comic that I... non-comic readers love. Like, and often totally. gets people into comics, but even people who don't typically go for comics, I think, end up liking Saga. It's so just cinematic. <laughs> yeah. Nick in the chat says it's either Saga or Watchmen, so yeah. and there's no middle ground. So I, I definitely agree. <laughs> yeah, it's two um, very different types of people. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Watchmen is for people who chronically read comic books, though. Yeah. <laughs> no, I know, I know, I know. Um, but yeah, anyways, Kate, what about you? How have you been? How have comic books been? Um, all that jazz. I've been okay. I have been staying with family while trying to get stuff sorted out with some dysfunctional nervous system stuff. So like going on and off meds has made me pretty sick recently. But uh, and living that like DSL eight gigabytes in perfect weather with no neighbors using the internet life, um, I'm usually getting about one 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 point five at any given time. Yeah. Uh, So it is a blast from the past. I do. I am staying in my childhood bedroom and fairly dependent on parents for like help with like daily stuff. So it's very like am I eight years old? Is, am I in the past? (laughs) And then I'm like, because I can't, I don't want to deal with stuff. I'm like back to my bullshit, reading my middle grade comics. And I'm like, I'm Mm. reading books for children in my childhood. Oh no, what's happening to me. But, um, 
I do think we're on like the right track. I have more tests and stuff coming up so they can f- figure out exactly what to do. But uh, so I've been reading t- like lots of stuff right now from the library as it's like one of the only things I can do as an excuse to leave the house is goes to the library because, you know, COVID and immune compromised. So mm. I go there and dodge people. And so I've been reading The Girl from the Sea by Molly Knox Ostertag, who did mm. uh, she's the yeah. author and artist of the Witch Boy series, which I really liked. OK, this is YA lesbian fantasy romance. Uh, Need I say no more? It takes place on an island in the summertime. Like, oh, it's great. <laughs> Wait, are I, these like classic lesbian tropes or something that I'm missing out? No, or no, what? no, no, no. The classic <laughs> is how when you say these four words together, how could you not want to read this? YA lesbian fantasy romance. Come on. I have not finished it. If it turns out to be heartbreaking, know that I'm only 100 pages in and it's not my fault. I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the big fantasy for me is just the idea of being warm somewhere. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. So the premise is we have a 15-year-old Morgan, and she is um, lives on this perfect little island, but her life has stopped being so perfect. Her parents have gotten divorced, and her little brother is having is just very angry all the time. So it's constant conflict at home because he of the way he's dealing with things. And she is in the closet. Um, And so her friends, she feels very different from her friends and is kind of self-isolating because she has the secret, right? And her whole dream is she wants to get off this island, go to a big city where she can just go and be gay. And like, who doesn't just have the dream of going and being gay somewhere? Um, So (laughs) she is... Falls off a cliff, as one does, uh, and is saved from drowning by this mysterious, beautiful girl named Kelty. And you're like, that name uh, makes me think you're magical. And sure enough, she is magical. She's a selkie. And the kiss gave her the ability to, like, have legs and come on land. And now they have to, like, figure out what to do and all that. Like, oh, should she stay? But if she stays, people might find out I'm gay. And, you know, like, it's a thing. So oh it is sweet and engaging, and I love Molly Knox Ostertag's art. It reminds me a lot of Raina Telgemeier in that it is both simple and expressive. And <laughs> how dare you guys in the chat with your kids? Yes. Um, Everyone's dreaming about a magic selkie dream girl. <laughs> a dream girl that saves you from it. drowning when you fall off the cliff on your perfect island hometown. Uh, Mm -hmm. Yes. And she is best friends with all the seals and they do come like be super cute pets, basically. Um, So I'm really enjoying this. I also read uh, the first issue of Department of Truth, volume one. Uh And I was like, I don't know what these guys are talking about. This isn't that dark. And then I read the first like three pages of issue two and there's a child being fed a baby by a demon. And I'm like, well. (laughs) I'm going to set this aside for a bit. (laughs) Yeah, piss yourself on that one. (laughs) That is a gorgeous comic, but that is not the place I'm at in my life right now. So, uh, Uh yeah. I I read that whole first volume in bed at like two in the morning. Oh, Brian, why would you do that to yourself? the worst way to experience it. Well, Brian wanted to stay up until dawn. I get that. You yeah. Know. yeah, I don't like myself very much. Is the thing. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Well, uh, that is a uh, whiplash of comics that you've decided to talk about, Kate. Holy shit! Like <laughs> to go from this <laughs> nice, like 
this it was nice actually story the reverse by Molly Knox Ostertag. Dude, Department yeah. of Truth is... <laughs> I read those first three pages and I was like, you know what? I'm picking up a different one for my library stack and picked up the girl from the sea. <laughs> I was like, yes, this gotcha. is it. This is the palette cleanser we needed. Totally. Um, well, for me, uh, I, I talked about Saga 55. Um, I've been I've been pretty all right. I got a tattoo on Monday um, that's healing pretty well, um, I think. I don't know. I'm always I've, I've gotten two tattoos in my life and I think this is this one's going great. Um and I too have been also playing this Pokemon Arceus game, Arceus, Arceus. I don't know how to pronounce it, um, but uh, and it, it, that game has like revolutionized the way that I look at at Pokemon because I'm like, holy shit, this could be the greatest thing ever. I want them to make every future Pokemon game like this, um, if only because it it adds just like so many extra little elements to the game that I totally love. And I think Brian, you and I could probably have a long conversation yeah. about that. Uh, it's but it's honest to god, like such a disappointment, like like physic, like visually it looks bad there's a lot of things that just don't work right but the well, sure. gameplay is so good yeah uh, yeah okay yeah so i think i think we're on the same page about that but uh as far as comics are concerned i've read a handful of different things i honestly have just been like i had a week off between jobs i started a new job on monday and i am I've just been reading comics like here and there while doing other things, which is strange. You figure with time off, you'd be reading more. But I, I did sit down and read this book called Forget Me Not uh, by Alex Guerin, uh, re- recommended to me by uh, Furit on our Discord server a couple hangouts back. They were like, hey, Mike, you should read this thing. I think you really like it. And I should have I should have known that this is a trap because um, <laughs> Furit only recommends me books that are going to absolutely emotionally devastate me. And that is exactly what this book is. Uh, it's a story that follows a woman named Clemens who wants to help her grandma um, who is suffering from Alzheimer's or, you know, something that a lot force is causing her to kind of lose her memories. And so she grabs her grandma and starts to drive across the country with her. It's, it takes place in France. And the story is is like, it's not about the journey. It's not about, I, I couldn't, I don't want to just like tell too much because it's such a good story. I don't want to spoil it, but uh, it's extremely emotional. And uh, Garen, it, it really like, it's, it's a, I wouldn't say it's a sad book, but it's a book that's like about appreciating the love and kindness that you felt in your life, despite all of the strain that you may have experienced as well between like uh, past love lives and uh, trying to understand your sexuality and trying to understand like, what it means to be like a good like member of your family um and what love looks like based off of the people in your life and i i like for a book that was only like 240 pages long i feel like garen was able to explore all of these different aspects of being a 20 something 30 something person and trying to really figure out who you are and what you want and while also trying to appreciate all of the things that the people in your life have done with you like they managed to get through all of this stuff really well and in such a like emotionally devastating way for better or for worse right there are moments of extreme joy where you can feel like the way that that clements is 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 experiencing like happiness for the first time in a long time and then later in the book you know or in different parts of the book you're also seeing where she's absolutely like destroyed by something that happened in her life and she's reflecting on how you balance those two things all at once um, I'll say like I read this book from start to finish in one sitting and I was like crying the entire time. Something about these types of stories like this and Waves was another book that that Furt recommended to me um, just really knock my socks off. And, you know, you, you get to have a good just 
feeling of 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 emotion i don't know of like sadness and happiness all at once and i'm it's it's incredible that a comic is simple and and as straightforward as this one i was able to really deliver that emotional like i guess like punch in the face that's the only way to describe it like i i was surprised by how few words were in this book for how strong the story was um uh, we're going to talk about our Goodreads book of the month here in a little bit, and we're going to get to what a book looks like when it has too many words in it. Whereas this one, like, it doesn't feel like overly wordy, but there are some pages that are just like eight panels, and then the last panel has like a phrase, and just the emotional impact of that that one page really just knocked my socks off. I, I can't recommend this book enough. Like, honestly, like, I don't think this will hit people maybe as hard as it hit me. Um, I just feel like it had a, some maybe some personal tie-ins for me that like won't affect others the same way but i still think that garen did a great job of really hitting home like this this fact of like how do you feel about your you know like elderly family as they get closer to the end like how do you you know deal with that idea of someone getting older and knowing it that it's their time you know yeah i i think this is a masterpiece of a comic it's like a it's a french translated book uh, but it's fucking incredible it'll gut you right to the core uh, highly recommend it. So I don't know, not for everybody, but I really, really liked it. Sounds good. Um, but yeah, let's uh, let's talk about comics. <laughs> yeah, everybody in the chat's making fun of me for having emotions. So thanks. Um, <laughs> let's talk about Just comics Mike that are coming out soon. Gently weeping with his. Uh... What do you read on a Kindle? Yeah, yeah, my 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 big twenty four inch monitor just <laughs> me curled up on my, on my desk. Um, but yeah, let's talk about comics that are on the top of our pile, comics that are coming out sooner, comics that we're looking forward to reading next. Uh, let's let me kick this over to you, Brian. Yeah, uh, I think comics are coming out on February second this week, and this isn't my pick, but there is a tie in comic to the Disney Star Wars Hotel coming out this week, uh-huh. uh, and I think that is just deeply stupid. <laughs> Like, what what could a comic go about that? What could that even be? My my understanding is that the hotel has like a, a LARP experience to it, and this is supposed to tie into that somehow. Uh, I will never find out because I'm never going to spend three grand on a weekend trip. <laughs> right, I'm, right. I'm sorry, it's closer to four grand than three. Mm. But I would like to know, like, is there anything that we won't tie into in Star Wars? Right. And I, I know, like, I am not one to talk on that subject, mm-hmm. but it does it does feel like a lot. Danny Just milking that cash cow. Danny in the chat says, "Oh man, this is the first appearance of the hotel. This is a key issue." Yeah. <laughs> Speculators are going to be pulling this one off the shelves, folks. <laughs> this will sell for whole dollars sometime. Your your, your retirement fund. <laughs> Mm -hmm. i can sell it i can finally go to the fucking hotel (laughs) what i am actually gonna read this week i can't remember when it was mike but we talked about archie versus predator on the show a while back Mm -hmm. did Mm -hmm. you know there's an archie versus predator (laughs) 2 how wait what yeah (laughs) how is that possible that's that's my question as well uh this is written by alex DeCampi with letter uh line by Excuse me, lines by Robert Hack, colors by Kelly Fitzpatrick, and lines by Jack Morelli. Uh, I'm sorry, letters by Jack Morelli. I, I, yeah, I feel like the first one concluded with like, wasn't Archie a, a super soldier or a robot or something? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, or was he like, his head was stitched onto the Predator, I think? Something like that. I I, I know someone we did called Kara. Crossover. We gotta get the Archie details. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. I I wish that she was here so I could I could refresh my memory. But this this 
Archie versus Predator 2 apparently picks up like right after that. And it's guaranteed to be a buck wild story. Of course. Alex DeCampi doesn't mess around with these books. I'm I'm excited to hear your report on this. Yeah, I'll have it on your desk by Friday. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, Kate, what about you? What are what are you looking forward to reading next? So this has been out for a while, but I'm really jazzed to read Once in Future Volume 2. I was just able to get it from the local library here where my yes. my home library only had it in digital. And I've been trying really hard not to read on a screen to get, reduce screen time. I, I am still working from home, so I'm like doing everything on the computer all day mm-hmm. um, and need, need a break for my eyes uh, before my eye doctor kills me. So I had not read this, even though I really enjoyed Volume 1 when we read it for... Um, the show and the Goodreads group. So I am jazzed that they had this. Um, This is Kieran Gillen and Dan Mora. And the story is about um, basically in volume one, Duncan and Gran have inadvertently changed the story of King Arthur and thrown the other world into like shambles. So now crazy things are happening and new legends and characters can enter into their world. And uh, so the story picks up where an ancient helmet at the British Museum is taken and Duncan and Bridget um, basically have to fight another hero of legend. And I am excited to see who it is and how that goes down. I love Kieran Gillen's writing so much. I need to just finish everything he's written at this point. I have not read a bunch of his stuff still. I still have to finish Wicked and Divine. Like, I think the last two volumes I never got to because by the time they came out, I realized that I had to reread all of Wiktiv to know what was going on. And mm-hmm. I just have, I I owned them. I could do it. I just keep not doing it. You know, when it's like a, a lot, you know, I'm like, I'm going to reread these eight volumes of things versus this new thing that's sitting right here. So yeah, I, every time I read something of his, I'm like, I really need to do like go back and finish all these series, but I've considered buying the trades for that just because I'm too lazy to pull the single issues out of my box. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Div's another one where I'm like, I do not understand how anyone read this in singles. Yeah. Wiktiv, I had to go back and do a full reread. I think I still, I think I'm, no, I never did a full reread. I still need to do a full reread. Maybe Kate, you and I can, we can like have a like monthly book club where we just get I'm through Wiktiv. None Wiktiv's. of us actually mm-hmm. finished Wiktiv. Is that what we're saying here? I, I, no, no, I did finish it, but I remember finishing it and going, I don't know why or how that has any meaning. Right. <laughs> yeah, where you're uh, like, you know, I don't know what's happening, but I am reading it technically. <laughs> I do. These characters I know of, yes. No, I think, uh, yeah, that would be good. Maybe once I finish up East of West, Kate, maybe I'll, okay. I'll tap you on the shoulder and say, hey, let's read this. We should do this. Because um, yeah. that could be fun. I'd be down. Uh, well, for me this week, I guess before I get into what I'm excited to read, uh, I got some hand- handful of people hanging out with us in the Discord today. Uh, you can always do that to listen to our episodes live as we record on most Sundays at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard. Uh, we're hanging out today with a bunch of people but the folks that gave me discord picks are hugh who's looking forward to reading new masters number one from image stephanie's looking forward to reading criminal volume three and excellence volume one uh paul g is looking forward to reading compass volume one by robert mckenzie and dave walker with justin greedwood on art uh danny's looking forward to monkey prince number one and nick is looking forward to guys spoilers you'd never guess it aliens number nine i actually wouldn't have guessed that yeah, I mean, just it's you know Nick. You know who knows? Last I remember, Nick was mad at aliens. <laughs> I think he was mad because the book hadn't come out in so long. Uh, but, okay. Yeah. Uh, anyways, well, for me, I am excited for Sabretooth number one, if only today because 
Uh, well, I guess this is written by Victor Laval or Lavalle, Laval. Uh, art by Leonard Kerr, colors by Rain Barreto, and letters by Corey Petit. <laughs> At the end of Hoxpox, for those of you who maybe have or haven't read it, uh, the last we saw of Sabretooth is that he went into a hole, uh, and the synopsis is. Sabretooth went into the pit, sentenced to an eternity of torment. Sure, that sounds like hell, but maybe where he feels most at home. What's he been doing down there? What's his secret? What secret deal has changed his fate forever? And what if he's not alone? And all I can think of is that Parks and Rec song is like, <laughs> I fell into the pit. <laughs> Like, come on. Um, I don't know. I don't know why they're, they're calling it the pit. Because <laughs> it's oh, like really under Krakoa. It's supposed to be the void, but that's, I literally, now I just want to, as much as Chris, Chris Pratt is Chris Pratt, I, part of me wants to see him now play Sabretooth. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I mean, he's playing everything else, right? We might yeah, as well cast well. him as that. Yeah, I don't know. I mean- Chris Pratt will be playing Mike in the IRCB movie. <laughs> In the IRCB animated feature that we eventually do. But yeah, I, I would love, you know, I just, I don't know. This book is going to be wild. And I do think that this is the next question mark that we had about Hoxpox for anyone that's been reading the X-Men books. Like, Sabretooth did get put into the pit and uh, we fell into the pit. <laughs> and um, it is a question of like, what happens when you go into this infinite void that they keep threatening other mutants with? Uh, so I guess we're going to find out. And I, from what I hear, Victor Lavalle uh, worked on Captain America or something, did a pretty good run. So folks are excited about that. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm curious enough, though this feels close enough to a Wolverine book that I'm probably not going to like it because I'm not picking up the X lives of Wolverine or whatever the 10 lives. I don't know, whatever it's called, but we'll see. Anyways. So yeah, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we are going to be talking about our Goodreads book of the month as picked by our Goodreads reading challenge finishers from last year. But we'll talk more about that in just a second. So we'll be right back. week on i read comic books we're talking about our goodreads book of the month for the month of january 2022 in case you didn't realize what the date was uh this book was picked by our goodreads reading challenge finishers of last year so they read all the books that we put up in our goodreads reading challenge and uh, as a group they all came together i was technically part of that group but i totally missed the thread on it so um not not trying to point fingers anything but i was like cool we picked a book i'm glad that that happened because sometimes organizing that is is very chaotic so the group came together and picked pearl volume one this is by brian michael bendis on writing art by michael gatos and letters by joshua reed uh if i'm not mistaken this is published by dark horse um i didn't write that information down but uh i before we get into that i want to warn everybody full spoilers for volume one of pearl if you haven't read that make sure you hit pause go read the book come back and then you can listen to the rest of the episode but quick summary of this book is Pearl is a tattoo artist in San Francisco who accidentally becomes an assassin for the Yakuza. When Pearl accidentally meets one of her peers, her doppelganger from another clan, she starts to dream of a better life, but Pearl has a very special ability and a deeply connected past unknown to her that that keeps pulling her back into the violent world she's so desperate to escape. So yeah, I guess... uh, Pearl Volume 1, Brian Michael Bendis kind of doing his own thing with his good pal Michael Gatos. Brian, Kate... um, what were your initial thoughts going into this? Have you heard of this book? Were you excited for it? Um, I, I let's start with you, Brian. No, I hadn't. I hadn't heard about this before. Um, I, I'll admit, I went into it a little leery. 
Sure. Um, I don't normally go in for like organized crime type stories. It's it's okay. got to either be like like an Italian job level crazy heist or like snatch. If if I'm gonna watch a crime movie, <laughs> yeah. I need it to either be yeah. incredibly competent or incredibly incompetent. <laughs> yep. Yep. Okay. okay. That being said, I I didn't I didn't dislike this book. My overall like my 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 helicopter view is that I can see what people would like about this even when it wasn't working for me. Mm, okay. I guess before we get too deep in the details on that, I guess Kate, what were what was your thoughts going into this? Had you heard of this book and so on and so forth? I mean, I think I want to start by just throwing hands. Tattoos creep me out, guys. Like, okay. was, I did not know going into this it had anything to do with tattoos. And then there was so much stuff with tattoo needles. And uh-huh, it was uh-huh. like, oh, so creepy. The whole idea of someone injecting something under my skin gives me the creepiest, crawliest. Do I mind it when people have tattoos? Not at all. But the idea, the problem is the act of tattooing that gives me the heebie-jeebies and so much of this book book because she's a tattoo artist involves that or talking about Mm -hmm. that and i was like i did not know this when i signed up for this i did not know anything about the book no um i just know when i volunteered to be on this episode i just know i like being on these episodes and so i offered to (laughs) do it i've read i think the last my brian michael bendis i read was probably an x-men book sure So like Brian, this is not a genre I typically go for. I'm like right there with you. Like I want competency porn or humor. uh, And this is neither. And the kind of hiccups I had with this are some of the same hiccups I've had with this uh, author and this artist in the past. So it was like consistent in the sense that like I did know going in that those uh, from reading Jessica Jones and the X-Men books that Bendis wrote, um, I was like, okay, so here's here's where I've been with these guys before. And then I was like, nope, yep, that's we're still the same. <laughs> I think gotcha. if you could take some of these pages, cut them out of the comic, and put them on your wall, I'd be like five stars. This is gorgeous artwork, right? Sure. I think it just ended up not working for me so well in terms of the story and some of the art ends up being fairly confusing at showing the story. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll, we'll get into it. We'll get into it. We'll get into it. I guess I'll, yeah, I'll I give my as, like... It's my like highlight. It'd definitely be like... Some of these just... If you take, take them as a static image, gorgeous. Sure. Well, yeah, I guess my my background with this is, you know, I've, I'm aware of Brian Michael Bendis. I've read a lot of Brian Michael Bendis comics in my time. Uh, probably not anything in the last five years. I think since he's moved over to DC, I don't think I've really read much. I, someone recommended me to read uh, DC's Checkmate, which I think was by him. Um, didn't really jive with me at all that well. Um, I think for a lot of the same reasons that this 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 story, I had some issues with it. But, um, you know, I, I don't think I'd actually really read much by Michael Gatos outside of the the Jessica Jones story that he did with Brian Michael Bendis, but I actually really liked that when it came out. So um, I went into this knowing like these are two really talented creators that are buddies that want to do something together. Um, So I was kind of like in the middle, like this probably can't be so bad that I'm going to hate it, but it's probably not going to be the best book in the world because I think over time I've found that Brian Michael Bendis unedited is, is an extremely strange writer and doesn't really work for me. So I didn't know what to expect, um, and and what I came into was uh, uh, was a whole mess of something. So I guess let's <laughs> uh, be- before I I get to like 
angry about everything let's uh let's talk about some of our highlights of this series like reading through this uh, obviously you know no comic book is is truly holistically bad i guess from end to end i mean maybe that's not true that's a bit of a blanket statement but this book obviously two really talented creators on the book um what were some of the things that you really enjoyed about it um kate let's let's start with you i'll kick right back to you oh i mean like i was saying some of this art is just absolutely gorgeous even when it isn't working page to page for me just if you take a single page it's hard to find one you wouldn't be happy to just frame um I love Michael Gatos's art for that. Yeah, I I absolutely agree with that. I think there are, there are some pages in this book that are stunning. Yeah. Um, particularly like the the scene with the the club, right? With just like mm-hmm. the fucking psychedelic. Like this is a poster that's on your you know twenty two year old brother's wall who lives in the basement and definitely doesn't smoke weed, but he wears tie dye shirts all the time. <laughs> yep. Like that kind of style. I thought like what a fantastic change of pace for this story mm-hmm. um if only because i feel like the rest of the, the comic is has a very muted color palette in comparison yeah and i think they did a really good job of making each of the characters look unique while also making them all look like real people yeah like there was nothing nothing about it was like so over exaggerated that i was like well yes i recognize that character but only because they look insane yeah it was very like <laughs> yeah like these all look like like real normal people and they mm-hmm. all look distinct which is yeah, tough to pull off sometimes point. totally yeah i i this isn't like an x-men book where like you need to see like the the weird power armor that someone's right. got on or you know scott summers's glasses but yeah i i definitely agree with you there like every single person had a unique and real look that like i wouldn't be surprised if i was walking down the street and saw someone that looked like that you know um with the exception of our main character pearl who i didn't realize was supposed to be albino until the very end of the book um (laughs) until it's actually in the dialogue someone mentioning that she's albino i was like wait what like i'm like how is that not obvious in the art but because there's so many like i basically like instagram filters on all the pages like you don't really realize it at least for me yeah the 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 coloring in the book is one of the things I really enjoyed about it, but it's also something that makes it very hard to pick up on. Yes. Like, what is this character's skin tone supposed to actually look like? Mm-hmm. It is beautiful, yeah. but also be, makes some of the action and then stuff like that, like traits like that, more confusing. Yeah, it, it's that thing that you see in... And I, I don't mean to compare comics to film because they're not the same, right? But, like, you do see, like, overly colored, like shots in movies right like mm-hmm. by the time you got to the end of the matrix movies there was a clear distinct blue and green color that you could tell between zion and or outside the matrix and inside the matrix right yeah um and i feel like you as you read this book every single page was a wash with a color that was trying to influence the scene and while i think that that is something you can do effectively in comics i personally thought that in this book it muddled everything it it yeah. forced everything to feel samey um and while you could tell people were kind of standing out from those backgrounds in some capacity i personally found that like the color when it worked it was it was stupendous but when it didn't work which unfortunately was a lot of the book um everything was muddled and i couldn't tell where the characters were for the most part yeah it comes back to the same thing that kate was saying about this being beautiful and also not really the best storytelling tool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I also had a hard time with his faces in that they're like beautifully distinct and realistic and gorgeous, but uh, had a hard time reading the emotion on them. 
And I think some of the time that was intentional because they're playing into that trope of like, oh, all these people are cold blooded, stuff their trauma down deep and just like don't show their feelings, people. And sure. part of it is just the same thing that I dealt, like struggled with in Jessica Jones, where it's just like, no, he just doesn't show emotion on what faces particularly well, which yeah. doesn't add to the story. So like Bendis's dialogue often gets really samey to me between characters and combined mm-hmm. with the faces being often really emotionless, it in my head, it just turned very flat and monotone when I was reading it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Paul Paul G. had a had a quote from Goodreads that said, uh, Michael Gatos is an impressive artist, but the photorealistic pages do not work for me at all as sequential art. The poses are stiff and feel like found photos were arranged in a collage yeah. then had a script pasted on the actors mm-hmm. or on that the actors were unaware of when the photos were taken. And I... I 100% agree with that. Uh, It's unfortunate because Gatos' art is very beautiful, but I think some people have this same problem with artists like Alex Ross, where everything feels so static. It doesn't feel like there's that that kinetic action that you would expect out of a comic book, uh, which is really hard to define. Part of it, too, is when you get into action sequences, when you're not getting the action flowing through the art, they become hard to follow in terms of what's actually yeah. happening on the page. Well, there's like, it's, it's weird because like there is a balance that you can strike with, with comics where you don't have to show all of the action. Like we don't right. need a uh, Declan Shelby style Moon Knight comic where he's kicking the living <laughs> shit out of someone for 14 <laughs> pages straight. Because I love that. I, I think like the way that Shelby does action sequences is incredible. But you can also do a thing that I think Gatos was trying to do a lot in this book where he was abstracting away a lot of the yeah. action and replacing it with like, blank pages of sound effects and other things like that the unfortunate part about it is that if you're gonna show something like a gun or you're gonna show someone like fighting you at least need to show one panel of action taking place and then abstract it all away like a fucking cartoon right or like the old batman tv show where like you see batman raise his arm up to punch and then it cuts to pow zam whammy like we at least knew that batman was gonna throw a punch where i think is in this book the action is typically just not there. Like yeah. someone will say a word that you could take and interpret as being the beginning of a fight. And then there will just cut to weird, like abstracted things that are supposed to represent action. And I was like, did, did someone get shot? Did something actually happen in the scene? I can't tell. It's kind of frustrating. I don't know. Yeah, I think it's very telling. Like, obviously we are all proficient comics readers. We've been doing it a very long time in terms of just like reading comprehension and I would imagine almost everyone, if not everyone in the Goodreads group is as well, that was commenting and most people uh, as well as us commenting that at least in certain points in the book, we're confused at what was actually happening plot point wise. And I think that speaks volumes. There's even a point uh, towards the end of the book where uh, Pearl says to, to Rick, the guy she's been kind of on a date with for most of this book. Mm -hmm. Uh, she says i got what i wanted and he says i think i missed that part completely and i said out loud reading i was like yeah you and me both brother (laughs) (laughs) okay can we hit on the now there's there's the i don't know what's happening and then there's the i know what's happening but i don't get why why is she like does she just like insta fall in love randomly with rick for some reason like she's risking her life and doing all these crazy things for him after seeing him once like i do not get what did i miss something (laughs) the well here's the core of the entire book is that there's a lot of things unsaid and the only person that knows what was said is supposed to be said is brian michael bendis yeah like it's it's frustrating go ahead brian though you were gonna say something uh i was just gonna say like i the whole thing stems from this 
this original interaction where some uh opposing yakuza clan is apparently shooting up a uh like a food cart or something mm-hmm. and and pearl prevents the hit from taking place by yeah. shooting one of the other guys but i don't know who those people were or why they were doing that or how rick is involved in it in any way like i don't and because i don't understand that it makes it hard to follow why pearl is so invested in all this well it, it, and it kind of comes back to i think what's trying to be implied in the story is that like the yakuza has always been a part of her life whether she's liked it or not and yeah. like I, I think there's, I don't know, maybe, and again, this may be, I don't know, I, I was really put off by this book, so I, I feel bad that maybe I wasn't taking it in or taking as critical of a look of it at it as I should have because I was, in the first 30 pages, I felt like I was getting lost, like rereading mm-hmm. pages. I wasn't sure if my, like, Hoopla app was, like, showing me pages out of order because the dialogue was so disjointed in some places. Yeah. I, so I, I feel bad if folks who are listening at home are just like, oh, this, all this stuff is so obvious because, like, I didn't feel like they like Bendis and Gatos did a good job of telling a strong sequential story here. Uh, I think by the end, like the implication of like the Yakuza was a big part of uh, of uh, Pearl's life from since she was a kid. She didn't really understand what it was. And then suddenly there's this realization that she she is in this world, whether she likes it or not. And then she chooses to really step in when she finds out like who her mom was. But like, yeah, like at the beginning, like, why do why would she even, you know, take a hit for this guy or deal with this this Rick guy? Um, and I think it's like because he recognized that artist. Right. I think Paul in the in the chat here said that they kind of had a connection because he recognized that tattoo that she had. But um, even in that moment, I was I was unsure as to why that was such a big deal. Um, but maybe I'm not a tattoo person, so I don't understand the significance of the the setting. Well, as a tattoo person, I can tell you that all tattoo artists have steady hands and therefore are deadly fucking assassins with perfect aim. Um, <laughs> well, every single one of them. <laughs> well, but that's that, that's the fantastic like element of like, like, oh, you're just instantly good at that. Yeah, sure. I mean, but that's to me like that's I don't know, like the, the center of every yeah. every narrative story where your your main character suddenly has these special powers that make them you know the the main character. But yeah, I don't know. It was it was a little odd in that that space because I was like, oh, okay, I guess I guess that makes sense. I don't but know. Like shooting a gun is a bit different than giving a tattoo. I think just just a smidge. Yeah. Stephanie on the Goodreads thread discussion for this said that uh, I'm not a huge fan of two white guys doing a story about the Yakuza. There are a lot of tropes if I'm being generous or stereotypes if I'm being more brutal. And it was funny to me what reading the end of the book, like back matter stuff, Bendis saying like he wanted to do a story that wasn't all tropey. And I'm like, sir. This is constant tropes. You, I think you just found different ones than you used last time. I don't think there's like, I, I guess I hadn't read the Daredevil stuff he was talking about of his past work that he found too tropey. But mm. yeah, the, it was just like Steven said, as a tattooer myself, the trope of mixing tattoos, gangsters and violence is fairly overdone and tiring, perpetuating the romanticism of a too cool, aloof, bury their deep emotional trauma down into the work. I believe is a stereotype that needs to be eliminated within all arts mentality. It's just inaccurate and toxic to people's views on artists, as well as creating a false narrative for younger generations. And like, that was definitely Mm. one of the things that kept hitting me of like this whole, and maybe it's because I kept getting the like, hard time reading any emotion on the faces but that whole like 
we have we are all so cold and distant and all this stuff is just yeah i i think that there's a lot of like mystique around tattoo artists in in media Mm -hmm. and every tattoo artist i've ever met has always been just kind of like a big fucking nerd like (laughs) they're they're just they're artists they're they're cool people who do cool art and have a lot Mm -hmm. of weird interests Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah i mean and there's there's a side of this that i think maybe we don't understand is like three white folks sitting here talking about like what is the japanese uh influence on the tattoo scene in san francisco california like i don't know you know like obviously you know the 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 stuff with like big dragon tattoos and, and things of that nature that you know you see people get on their back you play the yakuza games um and that's like a whole like ordeal um and again that's just falling into tropes and things that i've only seen through media so well, i don't know how yeah, that was any a, of that is that is a historical thing about the yakuza back when they were really big in like the 1960s was that they had a very specific look that they kind of tried to perpetuate that involved being heavily tattooed and what, like suits and stuff and i mean it was mm-hmm. yakuza is just just gangster right so it was there's different variations but that the tattoo thing was a like an aspect of that of being like heavily right. but yeah i mean it was it's I, I think like you know bend is trying to dip into this story and i think using michael gatos as an as an artist or working with michael gatos as an artist on this is um like it seems like they were trying for something i just i personally didn't feel like it it hit the mark um, and ultimately, like, led to what I thought to be kind of a confusing comic that probably needed just like someone to step back and kind of lay the lines out to actually yeah. say, like, is this straightforward enough? Are there gaps here that could be filled? Yeah. And honestly, I just wish that someone could have edited but Bendis's um, dialogue because there are things that sometimes people would just say things randomly. And yeah. I couldn't figure out if it was relevant to the scene or like her friend just like being in the story. I couldn't figure out like what was the point other than her just being there i don't know yeah it's definitely a thing like when i was taking writing classes in college like it's it's very hard when you think of a line that you're like that's a cool line i gotta work that in somewhere and sometimes it doesn't work and you just have to let that cool line go Um, (laughs) and i don't know that that bendis is particularly good at letting the cool line go yeah. So I have a question. Maybe I missed this. Does he not have an editor now with his line at DC? Is he like the head person for Jinx in a way that like no one's checking his stuff? I think Jinx World is like his his thing. Like it's just Brian Michael Bendis. I, I, maybe okay. there's more to it than that. But I'm pretty sure. And I don't think that this is at DC. I think this is published by Dark Horse, if I'm not mistaken. I, I um, think it might have been DC because I thought I remember seeing in the beginning of the book like the dc Brother. comics thing oh yeah you guys are right i don't know where i got dark horse from yeah so well, this is batman but I think... wasn't in this and if it was a dc title then batman should have been in it somewhere <laughs> yeah exactly. but yeah i i think like you know all in all like this is this is this is bendis doing what he wants to do yeah i don't think that he has an editor on this book just because it's his own kind of self-published work and it just happens to be under the like Jinx World logo owned by, like published by DC, but it's all technically owned by him. This is like when Marvel did the icon line okay. um, years ago where like you could create creator own stuff, but technically it would be under Marvel's publishing rights because they had exclusivity contracts. Like some of the criminal books came out through um, Marvel, even though they were owned by D uh, owned by Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips. So like it's that kind of thing. Okay, But yeah, I don't know. I, 
I guess like I don't want to completely shit all over this book. I mean, like there's some interesting stuff in here. I just really don't. I just personally don't think it was for me. I didn't think it was like a, a very interesting book at the end of the day. And uh, I probably won't read more. So I guess like this is me trying to get to final questions here. Do you guys think you'll continue reading uh, the rest of Pearl? Um, and would you recommend this book? No, I, I don't think that I'm going to continue reading it. I've I've made myself a promise that I'm not going to read or like take in any of these like non-sequential stories where things are like told out of order and through flashbacks and stuff like that. Like mm-hmm. I just don't have time. I mean, I do, I have plenty of time. I have nothing but time. Let's be real. But <laughs> I do not have the willingness to try and parse your story. Like un- unless you really pull me in, uh, maybe I'm just bitter because I watched Station Eleven, um, and I, I watched the first episode. And I was like, "Oh, this is a cool like virus story. We're gonna find out about like how these people survive and stuff like that." And then episode two is twenty years in the future and cert- like focuses on a Shakespeare company. What? <laughs> yeah, with occasional like seemingly random flashbacks to the survival thing. And so maybe I went into this like already mad about non-linear storytelling mm. but I, I, I won't do human it human salt shaker <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i had actually because it's towards the end of the month i had just to use up my hoopla credits i hadn't used yet like went ahead and had pulled volume two already and i returned it already i was after i finished volume one i was like no we don't need this um it's not for me i think i'd recommend it to folks who are really into like action movies and stuff like that because i think that's there's an intended audience out there and it's not me but it is some people i mean especially if you go on just the general goodreads page for this book some people are super into it and the art really Mm -hmm, is mm -hmm. beautiful so if you're one of those people who cares more about the art and less about making sure you know every single thing that's happening and it all is well reasoned and makes sense or whatever like i definitely can see where some people would be super into this yeah so i could do that uh see that am i gonna go check out more work from these guys right now uh no i'm gonna read this really uh crippling book called department of truth which also (laughs) has beautiful art i see uh My my stomach definitely sank when I was on Hoopla and I saw something about like from the team that brought you Jessica Jones. I was like, oh, I didn't like that book either. Yeah. <laughs> and a well, lot of the problems I had with this were the same ones I had with that Jessica yeah. Jones trade. Yeah. Gotcha. Although I didn't gotcha. notice if it was there, I didn't notice it like repeating images, like just exact copy pasting. That was a thing that bugged me in Jessica Jones. I, it was mostly backgrounds I noticed in this okay. one that it was repeating, but I honestly can't hold that hold any artist yeah, accountable for that because like it's, that's fine don't i'm not gonna i'm not gonna fault you for like trying to put out a fucking monthly Making comic like that's livable th- yeah it was just when it was exactly, actually yeah. jessica like and it keep being like her, it was just come on right right and I, I did notice that like a lot of the stuff the the background frames were like slightly different like mm-hmm. I, I looked at one and there's like particularly it was like a I can't remember if it was a box or like a table or something like that. Something squarish <laughs> mm-hmm. that I saw and I looked at it between panels. And I was like, okay, this is drawn slightly different here. Mm. So like this, this was not a copy paste. It's just, 
it's drawn very similarly, but this one line is like curved a little bit differently than it was on the last page. Hmm. And I might have thought it was the same if I wasn't on my computer and could just like tab back and forth between pages really quickly. Right. Mike, this might be an interesting time to explain how we're picking a book for February if you feel up to it. Yeah, well, I guess I'll, uh, yeah, my real quick before I get into that is uh, I I will just pull one more quote from our Goodreads group that I I thought really encompassed my overall thoughts of this book, which was uh, from Canavan. They said, at the end of six issues, I find that I'm still struggling to make sense of the characters. Why are they doing the things that they're doing? Should I like them, dislike them, find them amusing or merely creepy? Um, And that's kind of my overall thoughts of this book because I don't think I'm going to continue to read it. I'd be curious to know if anybody did read volume two, if things get better, if things get worse, if the story becomes like a, oh, you actually need to read all 12 issues to get the full picture Mm -hmm. that might actually convince me to come back and read it because i didn't hate this book enough to be like i'd never try it again um despite my one star rating on goodreads um (laughs) like i wouldn't recommend this to someone but if somebody else did continue to read it and we saw more of that i'd be interested in uh in hearing about it but yeah i guess um for February, um, I thank you for bringing that up, Kate. We are changing the way that we're going to be doing our our Goodreads book of the month. Instead of having like a big poll, like if for those of you that are part of the Goodreads group, you probably noticed that we didn't have a poll for this month. And that's because for February, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be picking a theme. Like we, we set up a theme like we've done every year in the, for the past couple of years. And you just read a book in that theme. So the idea will be that we're going to say if the theme is Westerns, you as the person who participates, find a Western book, read it, talk about it in the Goodreads thread, communicate with others, hey, you know, maybe check out other books that people have read. Um, and then once we get a bunch of those in early in the month, hopefully we'll be able to um, have a handful of those that we can pick from. And then the IRCB group will then pick one of those books out of the club um, that somebody else has read and we'll be talking about it on that episode uh, for, for February. So th- this upcoming month, February is going to be a public episode. So you can check that out at the end of February. Um, but then just like we've done in previous years, every other month after that will be a patreon exclusive um and then the other opposite months will be on uh, public but we're hoping we're going to try it out for february if folks like it if we see some success we're going to continue with that for future months um if folks are not a fan of it or we don't see a lot of participation we'll probably go back to polls and stuff but we're going to try something new because it's 2022 and let's let's shake things up a little bit so i'm really excited to see what everybody has the theme for february is i don't have off the top of my head but uh it's uh, it's it's all on Goodreads, I guess. I'll just say that. Uh, non-traditional art. Thank you, Paul. Appreciate you, Paul. Uh, in the chat, non-traditional art style. So pick anything that's not your typical comic art style. A lot of interpretation there. Um, so find something, post about it on Goodreads and why we should read it and what you liked about it, disliked about it. And hopefully your book will get picked for February's book of the month. So yeah, that's that's it. Yeah, I'm excited to, to get like, this as a way to hear about books I wouldn't otherwise have heard about, which is one of the things I love about the Goodreads group and Mm -hmm. hear about things that are safe to just uh, let it be. There's so many comics out there. It is also helpful when it's like someone's like, yeah, I read this. It wasn't great. It wasn't, I don't think I'd recommend it. You're like, awesome. That saves me time and money. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I am excited. I hope this works out. Yeah, we're, we're trying to do a lot of interesting things 
with our Goodreads group this year. Um, hopefully, I, not just to drive more in engagement and all that other stuff, but just because like our Goodreads group is a place where I know I've personally found a lot of crazy, like interesting books that folks have recommended. Like some of the books that we've had for the book of the month have become some of my favorites. You know, um, Paul in the chat said he's, he's very intrigued by the runners up thing that we're going to be doing in May, where we're going to, I'm going to go through our last like four years worth of Goodreads polls and grab all the runners up and say, hey, here's the big list of books that we want people to pick from. So I'm really excited to see um, what folks read and what their reviews are going to look like. So yeah, it's 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 going to be really exciting. Um, our Goodreads stuff this year is going to be really cool. I'm, I'm hoping that we can break a thousand members on our club this year. I'm, I'm aiming for that. Um, but yeah, I guess um, to wrap things up for the episode today, um, next week's topic is going to be just a hangout episode with me and Nick and Paul. We're just going to be chatting about comic books. Um, so get hyped about that. It's, uh, those are always really fun episodes. I like that we've tried it and it seems like based on our listener feedback um, from the poll, thank you to everyone who filled that out. Um, seems like folks like those episodes too and we do them every once in a while. Um, but until then, you can always follow us on Twitter. You can follow Brian at Brianhead. You can follow me at Mike Rappin and you can follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok at IRCB Podcast. This episode first aired on Patreon and is possible because of our wonderful patrons. You can join today for access to exclusive series like the IRCB Movie Club, Saga of Saga, and more. You can join us there at patreon.com slash Podcast. And if you haven't already, please rate and review our show. Give us five stars on Apple Podcast, wherever you find us. I, I feel like we've, we've really earned those stars. Join the IRCB Discord community to chat comics and more. Plus, you can listen to our episodes live as we record every week. There's a link to our Discord in the show notes. Podcasts grow best when spread by word of mouth, so please tell your friends, family, and local comic shop about IRCB too. Infinity Shred is the best band in the universe. They do all of our music, and we can't thank them enough. Xander is a very cool guy. He's also like the cat from Sailor Moon. I don't remember what that cat's name is, uh, but he also edits the show, and he's, he's just wonderful. I want to say thank you to everyone who hung out with us in the chat today. Thank you to Brian and Kate for being on this episode. Thank you to everyone out there who listens to the show and continues to listen to the show. Um, if you're listening this far, guess what? I'm going to release like a, an archive of all the old episodes that aren't available on iTunes and Spotify and stuff like that. So look forward to that. It's going to go up on Patreon first, and then I'm going to find a way to put it everywhere else for folks that want to listen to those old episodes for some reason. Um, and yeah, I guess until next time, comics are good, and so are you. Yeah.